Well, hey, friends, welcome to the AGWM Leadership Podcast. Super excited today as we're continuing our conversation on how do we develop others. And super excited to have Sarah Jump with us today. Sarah, tell us a little bit about your history. Where'd you come from? How'd you end up on the field? Okay, well, uh, there's two parts to ending up on the field. In 1980, I ended up on the field as a two-year-old. Okay. And was raised by... Um, well, if I dare say it, like hippie, brand new, Chi Alpha leaders uh, that decided to, uh, you know, from the early days of Chi yeah. Alpha, decided to start student ministry in Europe. And so I was raised in Europe by John and Anita Koschel, uh f- until I was 19 years old, and they put me on a plane and sent me back to America. Wow. To- to do life there. Absolutely. <laughs> Which was the real, moving to the real mission yeah, field. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, mom and dad uh, were always uh, team-based ministry my entire life. Wow. Uh, was was in team. And uh, and everyone that they developed worked in team as well. It was just the Chi Alpha ethos yes. from, from day one. So... Um, that was probably my first uh, 19 years in, in missions, mm-hmm. although I would say it, it was interesting coming back as an adult to a completely different region, completely mm-hmm. different area, uh, completely different setting with a fantastic husband uh, in our early 30s, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was a, a second set of missions that, that we've been at since 2009. So how, how was the transition of, of coming back as an MK who had worked in an environment where there was a high focus on team, Chi Alpha discipleship, and coming to an area where it sounded like that was kind of right about the genesis of when teams started forming. Yeah, yeah. We started the year that Omar Byler started as regional director. Like okay. we were we were newbies, like he was a newbie. So he, he started the idea of team and really solidified that in Eurasia. Mm-hmm. And that was something we could buy in early because yeah. it was our... It was our own way that we had operated. Even as a young married couple, we had people in our home all the time in pastoral ministry. So ironically, uh, funnily, we landed in Kyrgyzstan, and the MAs that were assigned, one was literally, this sounds terrible, I'm I'm already going to just, one was assigned to a missionary who had literally died six months prior and had not been reassigned. That is an awesome story. Was assigned to a missionary who was not coming back for a while. And we literally jet lagged, brand new on the field. They're like, Will you be our M to us MAs? And we're like, Sure. <laughs> this is our life. This is what we do. So we landed with a team, unbeknownst to us, that we would be leading these young MAs and just started from literally day one leading yeah i don't quite know what the right term to say i mean that is like horrifically funny it's funny probably looking back at the at the time it was probably like my goodness we've got a job to do it was it almost defined how we were going to start our career without us knowing this would be a career defining thing uh and so by the end of our term we hadn't killed each other we did a four-year term and we had figured out how to lead this team we'd figured out culture and language and so we we and we figured it out very much on our own, but mm-hmm. also with mom and dad as really our mentors. Yeah. Um, because we had, first of all, the long years of mentorship that mm-hmm. had been part of my life. Yeah. Um, because mom and dad always lived very integrously in front of us, and we did team life together. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was, the family was very involved. So I was around it all yeah. the time. And so it was natural uh, for us even getting onto the field and then 
continuing it in, in missions. I never, I never imagined missions was, was the lone pioneer thing. Uh, so, so yeah, we had them as mentoring us. And then Daryl is just really organizationally leadership wise. Mm-hmm. Like he just thinks like that. So it was extremely natural for him as well. And, and I just went along because I, I love this. I yeah. love doing life with other people. So our team just grew. We just kept doing it. And then by our second term, we were asked to start Live Dead Silk Road and, and the, the training teams that were mm-hmm. specifically for the development of people. Okay. So you guys have done a lot of pioneering of developmental teams. Mm-hmm. Where do you start? Well, I think a very uh, key aspect that really has become more and more clear to me through the years, something I feel like I wasn't aware of in the beginning, but I've become more aware of, is that um, the environment that we do development in is extremely important. Mm. And the thing that I hadn't realized, you can think of the spiritual environment, you think of the social environment, the like, you know, coffee, tea, pizza, yeah. we feed people well. It's, it's really a physical experience to be uh, in an environment. So to break that down a little bit more clearly, we all have the experience of coming to Springfield for MR. Yeah. Or we have the experience of coming to an area conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll have conversations with uh, my missionary wives that I work with or, or women that I work with. And like they have a, a physical response to the thought of showing up. They, yeah. they have a, a sense of like fear or anxiety. Yeah. Uh, and I, it makes me go, why? You know, like what? what is it that they they are physically already gearing up for? I'm going to be in an environment where I'm together with others. Yeah. Um, And that was definitely, you know, when you have field meetings. Yeah. You know, some people, I I mentioned field meetings, and their their blood pressure is already (laughs) shooting up. They're already a little bit, like, sweaty. And and that's a a physical response to to the environment in which uh, we are together, which is, the environment that we're developed in. We mm-hmm. are we develop in relationship to each other. Yeah. So we have to think about uh, the way people physically respond to the environment that we create as area directors. And often they if it's the the first kind of phase that they have to go through is is, is they're going are they going to have a response that is fight, flight or freeze. Right. You know, is it going to be an environment where that's their first response. Well, if it is, then we need to take notice. Yeah. We as, as humans need to take notice before we walk into that. If I'm sitting down with Scott, am, am I nervous before I sit down with him? Well, why, why am I nervous sitting down with yeah. you? Like, what is it that's happening? And a thing that I think area directors, um, we have to be careful of when we create those environments is we can't we can't force people to not have a fight, flight, or freeze response. Yeah. Can't be done. I can't tell you, you just need to trust me. I can't tell a group of people around a table and say, this is a high trust environment. You better trust me. Like, that's impossible because you can't, uh, you can't force people to not go into that moment and you have to walk through keeping people from being in a fight, flight, or freeze response. So I love that. So um, I'm hearing you talk about the importance of intentionality, not just in um, the the content that you're going to be presenting, not just about um, where you're going to be or how you're going to do it, but really even before that, 
step one is taking a step back and thinking about the type of environment we've created mm-hmm. and and really being aware of people's responses yes. to that environment. So you have 150 people in your area. Mm-hmm. How do you monitor people's responses to environment? Well, I think uh, you have to take a step back and, and figure out why do okay. they respond in the way that they respond. All right. And a, a big piece of why people respond in a physical manner like that is because it is tied to their stories. Yeah. It is tied to how relationships have been formed in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, have they had a, uh, a situation where in a pastoral ministry or a Chi Alpha setting or even a university setting where if they've dealt with someone in authority, mm-hmm. uh, it's... It's been, I guess, traumatizing would be the right word to right. use, so that they instantly uh, think about that as they enter into our environment that we're trying to create. Yeah. So if I'm aware that uh, the way people respond is tied to their former relationships, then the very uh, simple first step I need to make is I need to know their story. That's I need good. to know... Um, do they come from a divorced home? Mm-hmm. Uh, do they come from a home where they've had to be an adult to their parents, uh, yeah. a highly anxious setting? Um, when we are in relationship with each other, we do relationship. Mm-hmm. We do the process of getting to know each other and, and all of the pieces that are part of making mm-hmm. a relationship. But we also are our relationships, both past and present. You have the ability to form and create in me mm-hmm. uh, how I will respond to future relationships. How you treat me will impact how I see another Africa missionary. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Great, so right? <laughs> it is. No, absolutely. So understanding history is important. Yeah. I mean, because that gives us context to help mm-hmm. understand people. It's, we see belie- beneath the, the veneer yeah. of what... Um, but people are not chained by their history no as leaders we should be intentionally finding ways to undo hurtful history Mm -hmm. and rewrite the foundation for the next chapter yeah yeah i i totally agree with you and that brings us back to okay what's the the environment that we're forming there you go i think that's exactly Mm -hmm. the basis we're talking yes we can't have a checklist of Mm -hmm. like Again, I can't tell you, you you better trust me. Yeah. I can't also tell you, I'm going to fix you. Like, right. So depending on the environment that we shape, mm-hmm. uh, I think will form how people either grow mm-hmm. uh, and are healed mm-hmm. or how they are, are stay in a rut yeah. or are even further traumatized. We're always being formed, Scott. Mm-hmm. Spiritual formation is always happening, and mm-hmm. it always happens in context of community mm-hmm. with each other. So, uh, but that spiritual formation can be good or bad. Yeah, we're always being formed, mm-hmm. but are we being formed by the Spirit of God and within the body of Christ, mm-hmm. or are we being formed by uh, things that are, are harmful to us? So, we're going to definitely talk about that All right. today. All right, like keep that. unpacking that. I'm, okay. I'm excited. All right, well. So basically, there's no blank slate. Okay. Every human that we're interacting with, it's not a blank slate. Some people have, uh, I love this term, they have 
uh, giants in the room with them. Mm-hmm. In fact, we probably all have some giant in the room with us. Yeah. We just don't know in which uh, arena of discussion and development it'll it'll be loud. Yeah. Right. Where um, it's going to get triggered. Where it's going to get triggered, exactly. And so I may be talking with you about something, and you're suddenly triggered, and and it wasn't it wasn't me that you heard. It was that yeah. giant roaring. That makes total sense. Right. Yeah. Um, so we all have to be able to see we have weaknesses. We have areas that we we need healing and reformation by the Spirit of God. Yeah. And I have to not respond to the giant when you're responding. Yeah. Right? Because that's that fight, flight, or freeze response. Absolutely. But be like, oh, what just made – what was louder here? What, what made Scott react like that? Mm-hmm. And why was that so painful? Like – I can stop and be curious. So let's talk about that, okay? I love, I love the, I love the concept of being curious yeah. as a leadership quality. Yeah. Okay, keep unpacking that. We're in these situations. We're in these People situations. are exploding. Oh, man. And instead of responding and yeah. us going into our amygdala, yeah. us going into the yeah. flight, flight, all that, we choose. No, wait a minute. My response yeah. is going to be curious. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Keep okay. going. Well, um, let's back up a little bit to okay. kind of a uh, – I want to I want to use Brené Brown's braving acronym to dialogue awesome. through that a little bit because I think that gives us more of of kind of the framework for mm-hmm. this before we go down the the giants and, and all of that anxious stuff because I think it it can help us as areas as area directors think about um, well what areas are we strong in and what yeah. areas are we weak in mm-hmm. and we can't leave any one of these areas out. Um, and it might be an area we're trying to avoid personally, yeah. but it can be an area we can grow in. Sure. And once we have that set up, then some of the other stuff may fall into place. So I'm going to give you, ah, oh, sorry, glasses. I'm going to give you her uh, braving acronym, all mm-hmm. the definitions. And okay. then I'll, I'll talk about areas that I see as an area director okay. where this impacts the environment. All right. But I'd love to hear if you have any thoughts. All right. That. Sounds I mean, great. I'm talking to an experienced area director yeah, here. So, all of like, what, a year and a half? Oh, come on. You've been around forever. <laughs> so the first one in uh, Brene Brown's braving acronym is boundaries. Mm-hmm. Setting boundaries is making clear what's okay and what's not, what's not okay and why. Mm-hmm. So... Um, This one, I think, is an interesting one because we have people coming from all different backgrounds and areas of life, and we are all hired, so to speak, and show up, Mm -hmm. and the way we interact with people can be pretty different. And setting boundaries as an area director is an interesting one Um, because, again, this is creating an environment. Uh, So one of the ways that that Daryl and I have worked to set boundaries is giving immediate feedback for things that we say we don't want to do this in the atmosphere that we live and work in and that people who join us live and work in. Um, one example would be uh, people who are um, use put-downs for um, joking. Mm-hmm. Like when they're joking with each other and they're, they're yeah. just on that verge of being a mean tease. Yeah. That's just something that we don't think is okay. So we have a conversation about that. Another one is comparison. Mm-hmm. We uh, we battle against comparison with like 
<laughs> like our fists are up. We're not comparing ourselves to other areas, mm -hmm. not comparing ourselves to other regions, not comparing ourselves to other organizations. The missionaries that live in that town uh, are wimpy missionaries. We're the real missionaries because yeah. you, once you start comparing, uh, it's just instantly ugly. So we just decided there's a boundary, no comparison. So what I when I hear you, yeah. what I hear you describing to me sounds like covenant and values. Mm. So that we set a covenant for how we, as in this case Central Eurasia, yeah. interact with each other, engage, yeah. relate to each other, mm -hmm. in that these are the boundaries, yeah. aka yeah. Yeah. values that we're not going to violate, mm -hmm. and and then um, I must. In hearing you talk about them, um, are these stated up front? Are, are they talked about beforehand? Or is it something that when someone starts putting someone down, that's when you jump on it? Or new people coming in, how yeah. do they know what those boundaries are? That's a really good question. Um, there's a whole mix. Uh, yesterday we spent a bunch of time with our new missionaries talking about our values. Mm -hmm. uh, actually in order to, for them to see this is a safe environment. Yeah. Because often boundaries create more safety mm -hmm. instead of rules that you feel stuck in yes. if they're boundaries that are created out of love. So we talk about it with our new missionaries. Because we've been working to develop so long, we mm -hmm. talk about it regularly. We call it a slow drip. Okay. Like if it comes up naturally, then all right, we're going to insert that in. We're going to talk about that value again. Um, so, and then we do team leader assessments actually, okay. uh, which is more in the structural discussion with mm -hmm. Daryl. And a lot of the things that we're, we're assessing also have to do with our stated values and our covenant together. Okay. Um, I, I think That's you, great. you bring up a good point with this sounds covenantial mm -hmm. and really a lot of Brene Brown's like things in the, in the braving acronym have to do with, you have to covenant together yeah. to do them. Because again, we're we're formed in community, yeah. um, and so you have to have kind of rules of life that you agree to in that community. So it's it's a pretty big commitment. Yeah. Say so what's what about the R? Okay, let's look at the R. Uh, reliability. You do what you say you'll do at work. This means staying aware of your competencies and limitations, so you don't overpromise and are able to deliver on commitments and balance competing priorities. Hmm. That seems very work-related when it mm -hmm. comes to an environment, right, yeah. that we're creating. But I think we can all think of those examples of that committee that we sat on mm -hmm. and did tons of work for, and then the person who's supposed to drive it forward just lets it gather dust on a back shelf. Yeah. Um, and that, that in an environment for development is just, that's just the nail in the coffin before you even get going. Yeah. If you don't follow through mm -hmm. with commitments you're making, yeah, um, which both in terms of be productivity, but mm -hmm. also relational wise, absolutely. In other words, go back to our boundaries. If boundaries keep getting violated, all it takes is once or twice for it yeah. to be violated and not to say anything, and your boundary just shifted. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Um, another way that I think that we are in danger of of misusing this as area directors, especially. Um, if we're a, like high vision casting area directors, mm -hmm. we've seen this with um, in our lives. Uh, 
and you just you know, open up the whiteboard and you just rewrite how we're going to do everything in our area, mm-hmm. uh, that can be a highly anxious experience for veterans especially. Yeah. Man, I've been like investing myself for years in this direction. You, you just, just in a you know, summer conference and our flip-flops and you want to change everything we're doing. And so that can be a, a highly anxious experience. And then if you actually don't follow through on that, then you've done a double whammy disservice as an area director in development of both deciding you're going to rewrite everything and then not actually doing it. It's like pulling someone up and pulling someone down emotionally. <laughs> so, okay, vulnerability and transparency yeah. here. I mean, I'm highly, I'm highly vision motivated. And a lot of times I build bridges as I walk on them. Mm-hmm. And so I don't feel like I have to have all the details, but I want to bring people along in the process. But yes, I have know there are times when because I'm comfortable with it I bring people with me and then it puts them in a situation which makes them anxious or uncomfortable Um, and the fact that this does kind of fall into our reliability thing is definitely something I'm going to have to think about. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a personal challenge. <laughs> Are they afraid when you start talking? Yeah, yeah. This is an environment talking. issue. <laughs> exactly, exactly. What is Scott going to change this year? Yep. All right, what about the All A? right. A, accountability. You own your mistakes, apologize, and make amends. Hmm. This is huge. Yeah. Um. As an area director, this is getting soul naked in front of our people. Mm. Um, it's not throwing the area administrator under the bus when when you didn't follow through on a plan, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's uh, um, being willing to fall flat on our faces publicly mm-hmm. uh, and admit it publicly and not deflect. Uh, and I think that goes back to what Daryl was saying in developing veterans uh, in our last podcast episode that uh, seeing that we can own our own mistakes allows people to realize they don't have to be perfect either. Mm-hmm. Those those mistakes can be owned and it's it's a safe place for all of us to own that. Yeah. I've seen over the course of my years in Africa, I've seen that modeled mm. um, on a couple of times and it, it is... I don't know what the right word is even. Um, it gives you a, a momentum for forward motion and yeah. trust. Um, but it's not easy. It is not. I mean, because yeah. none of us want to look like fools. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is everybody else knows we're fools. If we're admitting oh. it, at least yes. at least they realize yes. that we're self-aware in the process. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we are masters of self-deception. And uh, it's pretty clear, I think, to everyone else before it, we're aware that we need to. Yes. So really, it's quite, It's probably not as risky as we think it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, well, I'm worried that I'm going to reveal yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. you're not. Yeah. You're, you're just yeah. telling people. You're helping people know that you're self-aware. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And so that the safer our environment becomes, the yeah. easier it is to do all of these things yes. correctly and, and realize I, I can do this. And I'll probably apologize, you know, dozens more times. We like to tell people we promise you we'll disappoint you. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. So just be prepared for that. And then when, we, when we're able to stand up and say we're so sorry, then, then that is so freeing to people to yeah. hear sorry. Yeah. This, these things are... They're so awesome, and they're so um, they're so scary and so freeing yeah. at the same moment. Yeah. Um, so, all right. All v. right, we got to keep moving. Vault. 
You don't share information or experiences that are not yours to share. I need to know that my confidences are kept and that you're not mm. sharing with me any information about other people that should be confidential. The, which is a nice little twist on that, by the yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> it's the twist for the area director, though, yes. right? Yes. It's that um, oversharing we can do with the people that we're closest to. Yeah. And it's actually toxic to that closeness. Yeah. It's fake closeness. Mm -hmm. It's fake intimacy. Yeah. Uh, when I just, it, it's, it's a use of information as power. Mm-hmm. I do have more information th as an area director yep. than everyone else has. Uh, how I use that information can either harm people and therefore the area, it in inserts toxicity, or it can protect and allow for growth and love. Um, like love covers, mm -hmm. love um, protects people. Love allows for information to be held uh, in such a precious way that I, I'm making it possible for further growth and formation to happen yeah. because I didn't damage or slander someone. Really, what, yeah. it, what it can happen? Yeah. Um, because often we think we have all the information. We usually don't have all the information. That's <laughs> what makes it even worse. <laughs> we are also operating on partial information yeah. often. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think your your guiding question on whose information is it? Yeah. And if it's not my information, yeah, then it's not mine to yeah. share. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's again really good, really yeah. really good, yeah. challenging but yeah. good. I, back to that, my information. I think we can become entitled as area directors and think everyone's information in my area is my information. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so that I think can be dangerous, what yeah. we think we own. So something to think about. Yeah. All right, integrity. Choosing courage over comfort, choosing what's right over what's fun, fast, or easy, and practicing your values, not just professing them. It's an interesting definition for integrity, right? It totally is. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think she means by courage? Uh, hmm. I think if I were to take it from a, a Christian standpoint, I think it's to be willing to lay down my life and die. Mm. It always takes courage to choose Christ's way because mm -hmm. the world's way or my flesh's way feels easier in the moment. Yeah. Uh, and in the moment, uh, then... We often, especially if we feel caught in a situation mm -hmm. that we want to get out of, mm -hmm. we, we seldom think of the long-term consequences. Yeah. Um, uh, John Mark Comer likes to say uh, our strongest desires are often not our deepest desires. Hmm. And like the strong desire in the moment is I just want comfort. Yeah. But it's not my deepest desire yeah. as a follower of Christ or as an area director. I want what's good for people and I want to to see that happen. And yeah. so courage means I'm going to hold it together mm -hmm. and I'm going to choose I'm going to choose that deep desire. I'm going to choose to lay down my life for the purposes of God and yeah. your life in this area's life in this place. Yeah. And really I think a lot of the things we've been talking about have to do with courage, mm -hmm. being vulnerable, 
that takes courage. Yeah. Being a vault, not sharing information. Yeah. The easy thing, yeah. And it is a choice. It is a choice. Yeah. We have lots of choices yeah. along this way. Huh? All right. Let's keep moving. Non-judgment. I think this one is huge. I can ask for what I need, and you can ask for what you need. We can talk about how we feel without judgment. Hmm. In the missions world, I feel like we value and often, um, or we give value to, or we we hold up as as paragons of virtue, the people who can do everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that doesn't help us. I think that hurts us. Mm -hmm. I think we need to become very competent in what we do. Um, but I think we want to be able to vulnerably say, man, I'm, I need help in this. Yeah. Uh, because when I look at like the out of reach missionary who can do anything, yeah, it creates a distance and then it also creates that competitive spirit to have to rise to that yeah. as well. And I have to do it alone and I have to be strong mm-hmm. and, I think it really hurts us to not be able to say, hey, this is my strength, but this is my weakness. Can you help Can you help me in that? I, I have weaknesses too. Yeah. And everybody has weaknesses. Everyone has Even them. the superstar. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to vulnerability. I, d- I do think the, uh, yeah, I think there's a natural tendency for us to judge motivations mm-hmm. for people. And very quickly we move from, well, she did this and here's why she did it. Yeah. Instead of saying, and Brene Brown actually talks a lot about that with, you know, your first draft on things and stuff like that. And so we begin to, to tell ourselves a story. Yep. And often that paints someone in not such a good light. Mm-hmm. And if we can learn to be non-judgmental and to box our judgments and really be curious about the story, how much healthier and how yeah. much safer is that yeah. environment? Yeah. Very true. Very true. I love that. Thanks for reminding me of that, Scott. That's good. All right, last one, generosity, extending the most generous interpretation to the intentions, words, and actions of others. Yeah. I mean, you kind of hit on this just now, too, but, man, my first, my first story that I tell myself is, is often yeah. nowhere near as gracious as it could be. Even though what we want is we want that first story to be gracious. Yes, yes, yes. People should realize my intentions were like phenomenally good, you know, in this. But, but they're, I mean, you know, they're sloppy, they're lazy, they're late, they're, you know, they don't care. (laughs) I cannot remember the book. I just, I was reading a book recently and the person talked about asking yourself the question, do you think that person is trying to do the best that they can? Hmm. And I, I chewed on that for quite a while. Because often our judgment is, our immediate thought is, well, you know, they're lazy or they're whatever. But often there's context. Yep. There's history. There's those giants where Mm -hmm. that person really is doing the best. And if they're doing the best that they can, then we know that they're not intentionally failing or hurting. And I think that does switch that perspective Mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I've really been working to grow in this. Okay. Um, Ironically, it came from a different angle. Uh, it came from an angle of personally realizing I don't, uh, 
I don't value the cross of Christ. Hmm. I, I got saved when I was like five, yeah. and it really was my salvation story. Mm-hmm. And and I look at some of the ancient writings and see people weeping over Christ dying on the cross. Hmm. And I'm like, I, I don't remember the last time I wept over my Savior yeah. for doing what I'm like, well, that's what he did. Like, that's what he does for me. Yeah. It's, it's almost an entitlement, right? Yeah. And as I, I just intentionally started focusing on the cross of Christ, what that did in me indirectly, which is spiritual disciplines do this all the time. They do indirect growth in us. Yeah. Um, it made me want to be kinder. Yeah. It's been an interesting journey for me hmm. that, that focusing my own abiding time on mm. the cross of Christ has made me want to be more generous towards other people. Mm. And that's been such a gift yeah. in this last year. So it's, it's slowed me down. It's forced me to slow my judgments. And, um, and I'm, I'm grateful to our Savior for doing that for me. So. That is awesome. Um, wow. I mean, we've covered oh, a ton man. of material. And I know oh, there's so, much, so, much so many more, more right? places we could go <laughs> yeah. in this conversation. Um, and maybe we will. Maybe yeah. we'll pick it up at another time. Yeah. But I think just my takeaway today is the importance of being intentional yeah. in yeah. creating a safe environment. Yeah. Let's not make assumptions yeah. that the environment is naturally going to be safe. Yeah. But let's use principles. And a lot of them have to do with our own selves oh, yeah. and setting the boundaries and, and making sure we're following through yeah. and being courageous and vulnerable, um, that we give a context, that we create yeah. a context that yeah. can be safe for people. Yeah. And in doing so, then when we move to developing people, yes. they're ready for that. Yes. The hard truth is that we have great people. That's yeah. not the hard truth. The hard truth is we have we have incredible people who join AGWM. And if we're not willing to create a safe environment, they'll figure out a way to do that with or without us. Yeah. And if we are unsafe people, it will be without us. And yeah. they'll work on their own development without us being able to do it intentionally yeah. as a body. So we need to be very reflective on the kind of environment that we create. Man, absolutely so, deep stuff. Thank you thank so you, much, Scott. Sarah. Hey, friends, that was amazing. Can't wait to connect with you guys next time. We'll be uh, hanging out with Daryl and talking a little bit now. Where do we move from a safe environment, and how do we continue to create a structure that allows us to develop people? Hope you guys have a great day.